You're listening to Not Your Average CEO Lifeline with your hosts, Danielle Cuomo, CEO, Nicole Ells, COO, Chief Operations Officer, and Cassandra Blake, Virtual Operations Manager. We are here to provide you with a vital lifeline to executive advice that you've never heard before. We have the tools, the resources, and the tactics to help you reach the next level. Whether you're just starting out or have been in business for decades, listen in for exclusive tips and content to suit your needs. All right. So today on Not Your Average CEO Lifeline, I am joined with Nicole, my COO from Virtual Assist USA. Um, and we are just kind of going to talk about her role as a COO and her operations starter kit. So Nicole, thank you for coming on and joining us. How are you? Well, thank you for having me in the hot spot today. Yes. Yes. It's not your typical seat. So <laughs> it is not. I am all things operation. I am all things behind the scenes, making sure everything runs smoothly. So the hot seat is not usually for me. So figure we could just have kind of like a, a little conversation back and forth. Um, and we'll just kind of kick it off with you telling me about yourself and your role with the company. So I obviously am COO. I transitioned into this role from scratch. It wasn't something that was already here. I uh, evolved with this role and the role evolved with me. Um, it is something that the COO has to have. You definitely need to be flexible and have that ability to transition, whether it's because of the CEO, whether it's because your team is changing or because it's a pandemic and things need to change because the economy is changing. So it is something that's ever evolving. And I sit here in this seat now. It is a 24-7 role. And work-life balance is something that I will talk about in the future because it is important to make sure that you set those boundaries. So did you always think that you would want to be a COO? Or did you ever picture that this is where your starting from scratch would take you? No. Uh, I always knew I was great at organizing. I was great at writing things down. I love lists and following the rules. Uh, I definitely didn't think I would be the COO. I knew I loved helping businesses grow. That's something that I realized when I was in college and it just kind of snowballed. And here I am. And I encourage people to not limit themselves because I could have said, you know what, I'll be a great manager. And I could have stopped there. But if you continue to just work hard and set those goals, you'll be surprised where you get. Great. That's great to hear. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the level of skills or education that you would need to obtain being a COO? I wouldn't necessarily say you need a specific level of education. I would say that you need experience. Um, I always like to tell people that you can't expect yourself to know everything 
and you can't have that mindset that you, you know, are the end all and you know everything that there is to know. You need to be open to learning. And if you continue to learn, whether that's through an education, whether that's through experience, whether that's through you teach yourself new platforms or you do trainings, it you need to continue to learn to be in this role, but there is not a specific level of skill sets that I think you have to have in order to sit here. Um, if you're obviously applying for a very high corporate job, they're going to look for a certain number of years or a certain level of experience. But if this is the seat you want to sit in, start small, start with a small business and, and grow from there. So if you were going to start from scratch, like you have, how exactly would you organize your lists to step into the COO role? It is tricky. So it first comes with understanding how your CEO works. It is understanding their communication style. It's understanding their behavioral style, their work style. If you don't have that yin and yang with your CEO, then you're not going to set yourself up for success, regardless of how many lists you have or how you time manage. If you don't understand your CEO's thought process and how to balance your workday with your CEO's workday, it's not going to matter. So I would say that's where you start. You start by understanding who your CEO is, what their values are, what their mission is for the company, what their vision is long-term and what their role is versus what your role is. How do you feel about the yin and yang balance currently within your COO position? It is always evolving because we're always evolving. So it is something that you have to be flexible with. And as a COO, if you sit in this spot, it goes against what you usually have at your core if you have this type of behavioral style where you're operational and you're detail-oriented, you like process and you don't like change. Um, But it's something I've learned from Danielle that we need to both adapt as time goes on. So working with her is fantastic. We have this balance that is, it ebbs and flows really. And you have to go with it. Otherwise you're going to get left behind. I'm assuming that when you joined Virtual Assist USA, you didn't just start out as COO. No, I started out as a virtual assistant going for what I liked. I enjoy, and I still enjoy helping other companies grow. So it's what drew me to this company and this position. And it evolved as we started to grow. I think I had 30 clients at one time and realized we need to grow because I can't, I can't handle all these clients by myself. It wasn't productive by any means. Uh, So we started to hire, we changed the model um, to have employees and It evolved into a management role because we were small, so it wasn't a COO role to begin with. And then it moved to a 
uh, a director VP role in which she started taking on more uh, external marketing and um, brands of the company. And it now sits at a COO where we have a significant amount of employees and a management team. So it's been a transition for sure. Have you ever found yourself like struggling with the transition or trying to keep um, like yourself starting as a VA to where you are now? Have you ever had any issues with like blurred lines or anything like that? That's a great question. Uh, yes, obviously. There are always difficulties that come with transitions in a role. It is something that if you're thinking about going to be anything operational, whether it's an operations manager or a COO, that there are going to be bumps in the road. You have to be prepared and understand that you're going to learn and they're going to be pain points, but you learn from those pain points and that's how you grow. For your opinion, which do you think would be a better way to start? Walking right into a established CEO right off the street or building your way up from ground level within the company to a CEO position? I've done both. I've done both. I've done both. Um, it's preference. I definitely like starting from scratch. It is more work. It it definitely requires you to have a higher level view, a higher level of thinking, um, because you're going to be dealing with a lot more than if you step into a role. You're, you're just dealing with expectations, really, and adapting rather than having to create this whole role and this whole culture within the company. So they're different. Um, I think that the endpoints are the same, right? At the end of the day, we are running the operations for a company, making sure that everything flows seamlessly and smoothly. So I think it's, it's completely preference if you'd rather start from scratch or step into the role. With being a COO, obviously it comes with great responsibility and, you know, you're going to be expected of a lot of things and be held accountable. How do you handle that on a day to day? Do you set goals? Do you, um, you know, plan ahead? Like, how do you work on that? I stick to a very strict calendar. You have to set goals, but a lot of people set goals. You have to make sure those goals are realistic, they're obtainable. You make sure you hold yourself accountable, your team members accountable. Let your team members know your boundaries, your expectations, but sticking to a calendar is how I make sure my goals are met. It's how my day-to-day functions. Um, I like to say if my Google Calendar went down, I would be lost although I have backups, so I wouldn't be that lost. I have lists that are not (laughs) tech-based, so I wouldn't be too lost, but um, it is how my day functions. It's fluid. You have to make sure that you're not stuck in your own way to say, I need to do this right now at this time. 
if it's something that is flexible, you need to, to move with it. If you are stuck saying, yes, 12 o'clock, no, I can't take a call. I have to do this. Nothing else can be done. You're limiting yourself. So I highly recommend time managing and using a Google calendar or any type of calendar um, with help of external platforms, of course, but in that day-to-day to to manage yourself, um, flag things, make them bold, red, what you set your goal as for the quarter, the next week, even at the end of the day, I need to get this done today. Um, It helps me stay accountable for sure. So speaking of being held accountable and because you are part of the operations team um, or operations and Virtual Assist USA is a small business, but yet growing, how do you handle the day-to-day in your COO life with your employees as well for their operations and them being held accountable? How do you juggle the two? It's certainly not easy, right? Because you're, you're dealing with team members who have their own way of keeping track of things. They have their own behavioral and communication style. So understanding each individual team member is important to me. Understanding, um, they all do DISC assessments. For those of you who don't know DISC, you may know uh, Myers-Briggs. It's similar. It gives you an understanding of if you're a communicator, are you an analyzer, right? So understanding my team members is important and how I communicate with them and hold them accountable. Check-ins every day we are, since we are 100% remote, it is not easy to just pop in and wave to them like you, you would in an office and say, how are things going? You have to go that extra mile and make that extra effort. So scheduling 10 minutes every morning to check in with your team is going to be vital and especially in this remote space that a lot of people aren't used to even though i've been here almost a a decade already um i would love to touch upon the virtual life versus the office life so are there any differences that you see in that as a coo Um, anything that is obviously done differently i would love to hear your thoughts on that so For me personally, the role itself wasn't very different, right? I am going to time manage myself the same way. I am going to organize everything the same way. I'm going to use the same, for most part, the same platforms. The what's different is the culture that you create um, and the atmosphere with your team. Uh, And I guess not only just your team, but with your clients, right? So that's the part that's vastly different. Uh, I also found working remotely, I had my productivity go through the roof, right? The amount of times when you're in office that someone walks in your door to say hi is insane. Um, When I was working in office and we were doing kind of like a half and half at one point, uh, I would try and take an inventory of what I got done while I was in the office versus what I got done when I was home. The difference was unimaginable, right? I would get maybe two tasks done or half of a task done when I was in office. And then when I went home, I had 45 tasks done. It, the 
fear that people have that they are going to lose their employees' productivity when they move the switch to home is not a realistic fear, in my opinion. I think that they're fearing their client, their employees are stealing time rather than not being productive or doing work, which is a whole other conversation because you're talking about employee engagement and trust within your organization. But just speaking for myself, that switch was astronomical. I was able to focus in a way where if someone walked in because they wanted to talk to me, it was disrupting whatever I was focusing on versus if I'm remote, the chat is in the background. So if someone needs me, I can look at it once I'm done focusing. And that's the real switch for me um, versus, you know, being in office and virtual, everything else is very much the same. Uh, I don't know if it's the same for others, but I would not anticipate it being much different because the role is the role within an organization. If um, your organization needs to grow remotely because in office is no longer an option, then you adjust accordingly. With you being a virtual COO for a company that hires all over the U.S. for W-2s, do you find it cumbersome or difficult to keep track of all of the current team members that way versus being a COO for one office, one state, handling all of those files um, for just one piece instead of everything else? Great question. It is, there are a lot of legal compliances that go behind, obviously having remote employees, one, to having remote employees in different states, right? Because if you have in different offices in different states, HR-wise, everything is confined to that office, right? So that office has their handbook. That office has their set of rules. When you're virtual, it's different. When you're virtual with employees, it's different. When you're virtual with employees in multiple states, it's it's ridiculous. But uh, finding a good payroll system, finding a good performance management system, um, taking the time to understand the laws and start small, right? So when we started, it was Pennsylvania, New York. You can repeat Pennsylvania, New York, HR guidelines, I'll call them, like the back of my hand. We've since grown, right? So now we have Florida, Texas. We have North Carolina. We have Missouri. Uh, it gets out of hand, right? Um but having that back end staff that has the payroll experience helps, right? Because the tax filings are different. The trainings are different, right? Different trainings are mandated in different states. There are different filings. So it is not easy. Start small, right? Especially if you're starting from scratch and you want to expand a little bit, right? So if you're starting from uh, in entrepreneurial space and you want to expand to say East coast or West coast, start with one state, right? Maybe you start with Oregon or maybe you start with Boston and grow from there. Don't go all over the country. Um, you'll find yourself going crazy and you may end up with back owed taxes, uh, which is never good. Cultural 
culturally working with multiple states with employees um, is difficult. Their expectations are different. Uh, setting that tone when they first come on board is definitely important. Having an onboarding with them, um, even, at, you know, we started here as a candidate, them as candidates, having them understand how we operate, what our goals are, what our missions is, is important so that they understand culturally, you know, how this operation runs. So as the COO, you utilize um, assistance within Virtual Assist USA. What type of advice as the COO would you give to our listeners that uh, is working with a Virtual Assist or even working with us on how to utilize their assistant? Someone with the behavioral style such as mine or someone who is in an operations role likes to do everything themselves to ensure it gets done. They will take on as many tasks as they need to ensure at the end of the day, the goal's met, everyone is happy, everything's done perfectly, right? So utilize the assistant is my advice. Find someone you trust. Um, this type of role, you can also not be very trusting. Give it time. Don't give them one task and get it back and say, oh, they didn't do it right. No, no, I'm doing it myself. No. Work with them. Make sure that communication is solid. Make sure that you're explaining what you need done in a way that someone besides you can process it, receive it, understand it, ask them if they have questions, right? And then if you get back a task and it's wrong, ask them questions about it. Maybe they misunderstood you. It's not maybe their skill set. It may be the way you're communicating. I would say don't make assumptions and be sure to utilize your assistant delegate work because if you don't delegate work, you're limiting yourself. You're only one person. There's only so many hours in a day. So if you want to succeed and you want your company to succeed, delegate and, and use an assistant to, to grow. That's a great question. Thanks. Well, you're very easy to talk to, so it definitely <laughs> works out. Um, so I think that's all the questions I have right now. Um, obviously when we kind of go down the line of episodes, I'm sure a lot of other things will come up, especially since we are coming up on 2022 and I'm pretty sure goal planning for the fiscal year is going to be a topic. Um, it definitely will be a topic. There is a lot upcoming in 2022, especially with how the economy is going, with how the pandemic is going, the goals, the policies, procedures, the way we operate may start changing drastically, I think as a whole in 2022. So we'll definitely be talking more about how to keep sane <laughs> in this chaotic world that we're, we're navigating. Totally agree with that. Um, <laughs> so before we go, do you have any closing thoughts, any advice out there? Um, your takeaways? I would say the biggest takeaway for this conversation would be understand the balance with your CEO. It's step one. 
have that yin and yang with your CEO and understand that it's something that's always evolving. It's not something that you're going to find your balance day one or day 1000. You definitely need to understand them. You need to grow with them in order for the company to succeed and for you to succeed as an operations supervisor, manager, or chief operating officer. Great advice. So, Thanks. Well, thank you for attending <laughs> or just hanging out and, and chatting up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's very nice to see the standpoint of a COO from a team member's viewpoint, um, because typically we don't see that back end. Um, mm -hmm. I, mean, I do uh, bits and pieces because of my role, um, but it's nice to actually hear, you know, it's not just like harping on time or, you know, having that conversation with a team member of this is why we do it. It's you actually have a whole different role where some team members um, or even other members in general wouldn't see that. So it's nice to get that insight from you. Yeah, it's also uh, not necessarily a whole different role. It's a whole different mindset, right? The overall goal of the CEO is to make sure that the team is operating as a whole seamlessly, to make sure that each individual person is operating to their ability, that they're happy in this role, and that the company is growing and succeeding. So it's a whole different mindset that uh, I think sometimes uh, even the CEO, so just other team members in general, um, have a hard time putting themselves in other shoes, right? It's, it's difficult, but uh, taking the time to understand your team helps. It definitely helps with the, the culture and uh, the company morale. Always trying to boost the company morale. <laughs> always. <laughs> yes. So, well, thank you, Nicole, uh, for your time. Thank you. And be sure to check out next week where we go over delegation in a virtual space. And I believe that's my topic. <laughs> yes. Well, our seats will be reversed. Yes. Yes, they will. <laughs> You've been listening to Not Your Average CEO Lifeline with your host, Danielle Cuomo, CEO, Nicole Elves, Chief Operations Officer, and Cassandra Blake, Virtual Operations Manager. This podcast has been sponsored by Virtual Assist USA. If you would like to know more about the hosts or exploring virtual assistant services, visit virtualassistusa.com for more information, free virtual guide magazines, access to networking groups, and much more.